When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On the line with us right now, we have the former congressman from Long Island, our colleague, our friend, the beloved uh, Peter King. Good morning, Congressman King. Hey, Bernie. I'm doing great. I hope the city's doing great. And say, you guys should be like Don King. You bring on these fights <laughs> between uh, Morelli and Curtis. Oh, well, my God. That was, yeah, that was great. Yeah, we're trying to figure out something for you. We've tried to get uh, the Garbarino thing going, but uh, that kind of stalled a little bit. So we got to figure out something for you, Peter. Give, give us something that we can uh, attach to here, that we could uh, start a big deal, a big fight. What do you got? You yeah, who, do you yeah, who do you hate? Who do you hate? You know, I could actually stir the pot and come up with something, but I'm yeah. not going to do it. Don't do it. Don't I do could, it. but I won't. Yeah. But Peter King is a, a too nice a man. Right. I don't want to drag him into our uh, that's uh, our level of uh, you know uh, <laughs> ugliness. Uh, but so, Congressman King, let's stick to the issues uh, with you. And uh, I will ask you about this uh, Pelosi trip. It's great. We show China we're not afraid. Yeah, we're not afraid of them. That's wonderful, fantastic. But. Uh, can I ask you, do you have any idea what the point, A, of Nancy Pelosi's uh, uh, taxpayer-funded junket to Asia was all about? That's A. And B, did we stumble into this uh, Taiwan thing, or was this was this by design? Was this, there's no strategic, uh, you know, calculated plan behind all of this stress that we went through these last couple of days? Well, I, I hope that it was planned because it's important. We do have to stand up to China. I'm not saying that in a macho, militaristic way. The fact is we can't keep blaming America. China is moving on us. We've done nothing to provoke China. They are moving into Central America, into Europe, into Africa, throughout the Pacific. They're building artificial islands. They're putting pressure on Japan and South Korea. They are the ones who are creating this instability. And you have countries like Japan and South Korea who are under pressure from China. They want to be with us. They want to see what our response is going to be. They want to see that we are willing to stand up to China. They also see that China is working on military arrangements with Russia. So if we, if we want to remain any sort of a power in the Pacific, and I'm not talking military power, just I'm talking about economics. We can be frozen out of Asia if we don't show that we are willing to defend Taiwan. Because we're not going to defend Taiwan. That means we wouldn't defend Japan or South Korea. And those countries are going to start allying themselves, not just militarily, but more, more than that, uh, economically with China. And that would isolate us more. So, no. And listen, you know, no matter what you or I might think of Nancy Pelosi, when you're traveling overseas as an American, the people in those countries in that region, they don't see you as being Democrat or Republican. So if you're the Speaker of the House in uh, the United States and you go to Taiwan, all of Asia sees that as being the United States government committing itself to Taiwan. So, no, I, I think she uh, did the right thing, uh, whether, you know, whatever her motives are. In fact, but I do have to say that she's been active on the Taiwan issue since I came to Congress in 1992. I was on several Taiwan caucuses in the House, and uh, Nancy Pelosi was always there. This is when she was just a low-ranking member, you know, you know, sitting in the back of the room. But she was always active on that issue, whatever the motives are. But I would say the same thing. When Newt Gingrich went there 25 years ago, I've been to Taiwan a number of times. You wouldn't believe the publicity we get when we're there in those countries and in that region as showing that the United States is willing to stand up, stand up against Chinese expansionism, and that encourages countries like Japan 
and South Korea. But Japan right now is going through its whole defense budget. They're going through the whole military procedures because, you know, after World War II, they had to agree not to have an offensive army or really any army at all. And uh, under Abe, they started to get out from under that. And for us to have backed down, now the big loser here is Joe Biden. When he said that our military doesn't want her to go, that sends such a sign of weakness. Yep. And that sends shockwaves through countries like Japan and South Korea, Singapore, countries that we need to work with. Yeah, I agree. Um, let's move on, though, to uh, something. I can't help myself. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. You know, my family is still talking about that dinner that uh, you had a couple of weeks ago, so you and, and Melissa. And they love you to pieces. So let's just start with that, okay? Okay. Okay. Now here comes that was a, part- a great night, by the way. It was a great night. But here comes a part you're not going to like so much. So. Okay. Uh- <laughs> I love you no matter what. So don't I love you too. Thank you. The guy that stood beside you in, in maybe uh, the, the best work you, you did in your 40 years as a great congressman, making sure that all these families of 9-11 were taken care of for, for a very, very long time. It was just incredible work you did. And the guy that stood beside you, the comedian John Stewart, I've always given him credit for that. You know that, Peter. I always have. But I've never liked the guy. And now he comes out with this packed act. He's grandstanding a couple of days ago. And uh, truth be told, it was a bunch of nonsense. And I have to imagine that when you look back at a couple of days ago and John Stewart in front of those microphones, you can't be happy with that. No, I think John certainly overreacted on that. Listen, uh, I support the Burn Pitts bill. Almost all Republicans supported it. There was a procedural reason why they were temporarily objecting. I think they made themselves look bad because it gave something like John Stewart the opportunity to jump in. But to say the Republicans didn't care about uh, uh, your veterans who are uh, severely injured and uh, have serious health afflictions because of burn pitch was totally wrong. To me, listen, if this had gone on for weeks and months or whatever, that's one thing. But the fact is the Republicans moved it in the, in the House, in the Senate. They supported it almost totally. There was a temporary delay, and that happens all the time. And to me, it was unfair to be – to me, before you say anyone in either party is anti-veteran or doesn't care that veterans are dying, you have to have a strong case. And you don't do it after one procedural vote in the Senate. And John did not do that during 9-11, I have to say. I mean, he, he was very nonpartisan in that and uh, – but on, on this, I think he jumped the gun. Maybe he thought it was going to be like uh, you know, the 9-11 legislation where people were blocking it for years. We had to really fight, fight to get it done. But no, listen, it is going to pass. It, it's, a, uh, it's essential. And this is really no one's fault that these burn pits were going on for years. No one realized how dangerous they were. Uh, even, you know, people like General Petraeus, he was the commanding officer over there. But when he realized after he was out of office, he said, we have to, have to do something. No, there was a united effort on both parties. I didn't sense uh, any resistance. It really only came up as an issue about two years ago when it was brought to people's attention. And you know, they realized that the cause of many of these illnesses, you know, was these burn pits. And so the legislation moved very quickly. I mean, compared to how things usually go, this moved quickly. It had strong support. And I think on issues like this, we shouldn't be trying to divide each other. So, and that, uh, I, I go back to Godzilla. It was great having dinner with you, and I agree with you now. How's that? <laughs> That's fantastic. Hey, yo, I know you were great that night. You really were. My family really does love you. So what do you, what do you think about that uh, little fight? I, I know you listened all morning, long moments ago, uh, the contention from uh, Curtis Sliwa, that Staten Island politicians, Republicans, are basically fusing into Democrats, that everybody is, is endorsing Eric Adams. It's almost like they want to become one party, and they're afraid to be more critical of the mayor, Eric Adams. Have you noticed that uh, when, you, when you're out and about in town? Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, Joe Borelli is a tough guy. I mean, uh, as, 
as Republican leader in the council, obviously he has to work with Democrats on some issues, but that's not giving up your principles. That's getting your job done. I mean, I mean, I mean, you ought to do the same thing. That's been you were the greatest of all time. You had to work with Democrats occasionally. Yeah, and even Ronald Reagan worked with Chip O'Neill. I mean, uh, the, the idea is you don't give up your principle. If you go into negotiations and you can get 70 percent of what you were looking for, you, know, you take it. You can't be a purist. I mean, that's what we accuse the AOC, AOC people of doing. It's either their way or the highway. They want 110 percent you know, left-wing, radical left progressive policies. So, you know, you can't do that. And I, you know, what I know from the outside, and, you know, my good friend Vito Fasello is the fellow president of Staten Island, they have a strong Republican Party. They fight for what they believe in. But uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of issues where there is common ground, whether it's, you know, cleaning the streets or whatever. I mean, those and uh, you know, some of the development projects where you try to bring in business, you, know, you, you do work together. But, listen, I would never confuse Joe Borelli with Eric Adams. That's for sure. <laughs> All right, last one. I want to get to baseball. I love having sports conversations with you as well as political conversations, and uh, you're great with that. And I know you, you just did something with Ed Cranepool and Art Shamsky, a bunch of those guys, a couple of weeks ago. But, Peter, you have the, uh, the memory of the Brooklyn Dodger days. And yesterday, Vince Scully passed away, 94 years old, 67 years of calling Dodger games, including that famous call in 1956 World Series, Don Lawson's perfect game for the Yankees against the Dodgers. Hard to argue that he's the greatest voice of all time in any sport. What are your feelings today on the passing of Vince Scully? It's a, a great loss for baseball. He lived a great life, and I'm old enough to remember when he came out of Fordham, and I was like six or seven years old, but he was the junior announcer. They had a Red Barber, Connie Desmond, and Vince Scully was his kid. Wow. They bringing in as a third announcer. And, you know, nobody ever thought that he would surpass Red Barber. Red Barber was considered the greatest ever. But Vince Scully was beloved in Brooklyn. They, it's hard to recall. He was only in his 20s when the Dodgers moved to Los Angeles. But he was still a, a legend even then in New York. His voice became the voice of the Dodgers. It became the voice of baseball. In many ways, it's like the voice of America. I mean, Vince Scully, to me, I wish there were more people in there. He could be dramatic. He could be uh, loud. He could. On the other hand, I was always total class, very well spoken, articulate, and he always seemed to have the right phrase to the right moment. You know, some people they, they have these things written out and they want to use them. His was so yep. spontaneous. I yep. mean, whether it was on the uh, uh, the home run against Eckersley in the 1988, whether it was on you know the Buckner era at first base with Mookie Wilson. Now, Vince Scully was all class, and he was a New Yorker. He was born and bred in New York in the Bronx from Fordham. So, you know, we should all be proud. And it's sad that he's gone, but all of us should really rejoice in the great life that Vince Scully had and the great moments he gave to somebody. When he was on, if there's any announcer in sports history who had total credibility, it was Vince Scully. I mean, how do you do better than that? What an amazing appearance again by Peter King. Well said, perfectly said. You were magnificent again this morning. We love having you on. Bernie, we lost him there for a couple of minutes. Yeah. Bernie, I know you're back. Uh, you you want to throw something at Peter? I asked him about Vince Scully on the way out, or are we good to go? It's up to you. Uh, you already asked him about Vince Scully, you just yes. said? Yes, yes. Okay, so no, listen, uh, I, I was interested in the uh, John Stewart stuff. I did not hear it, but uh, so I, I, I don't want to repeat the question, but uh, was, was uh, Pat Toomey correct or was he wrong? He was, he was probably correct. Uh, listen, to me, Republicans put themselves in a political box by doing that. But the thing is, it was wrong for John Stewart to make an issue out of it because there was no doubt this was going to pass. It was going to pass in a few days. And to me, veterans' issues and veterans' lives are too important to be politicized. John right. Stewart could, you know, could have put out a simple statement saying, I'm disappointed it didn't happen today, but I'm confident it's going to happen next week. I mean, and, that, and that's did, what he should have done. Uh, listen, he's an emotional guy, but to me, it was... Uh, 
dramatizing and politicizing an issue where there was already strong right. bipartisan support. He was grandstanding, but uh, did Schumer try to poison it with that the 400, uh, you know, with the, it, it, did he try, with the slush fund, essentially, did Schumer do that uh, in, in, in 10 seconds? Do you know? Uh, what my understanding is that was done in the House. But uh, again, when you're looking at the big picture, I think, listen, I know Pat Toomey, he's a conscientious guy, and technically he was right. For the political sake of it, sometimes you have to consider politics. They should have voted on it and had it go through and try to, you know, try to rectify it later on. But I'm not questioning any, I'm certainly not questioning Pat Toomey's motives. He's pro-veteran, he's pro-American, and uh, I think that John Stewart and others took advantage of that. And uh, this, this is a right. bill that has to pass. It did pass. Thank yes. God. The veterans deserve this. And uh, it was, I think, magnifying a small procedural question and making it somehow the Republicans were against veterans. When we've done more for veterans, I tell you, uh, than anyone, we, st- we stand by them in war and in peace, and we always will. Excellent Without job. a doubt. Yep. Yeah, you were, you're great, Congressman. I'm sorry I dropped out. Sorry to you, Sid, as well. So, uh, no, it's okay. No, it's great. Uh, Peter was great. You were great. Everybody was great. Peter, enjoy the, uh, the beautiful day. Enjoy the rest of the week. You're great. We'll talk, uh, talk again next Wednesday. Thank you. Thank you. That's a nice. All right, there he is, Peter King with Bernie and Sid. We'll come back with the fourth and final hour right after this. If you had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients, and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident.